Thank you so much. That was a beautiful job. She deserves another hand clap, don't you think so? It's my privilege to be with you again here at First Baptist Church of Madisonville. It's always a privilege to be with you, whether I'm here in preaching or whether I'm able to attend a worship with you or an event. It's just fun to be with you at First Baptist Church of Madisonville, and I appreciate that you're a part of Little Bethel Baptist Association. If you have your scripture, I hope that you will turn with me to Acts, the second chapter, and we'll be reading 14 verses because we want to convey the total thought there that is in this passage as we consider the purpose of the church. It has one purpose. It's mobilized for one purpose, and God's spirit is upon it for one purpose, and that is to spread the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I hope that you've had time to turn to Acts 2. We'll be looking at the first 14 verses this morning. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from a rush, as a heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, behold, aren't all these that speak, are they Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue where we, are, where we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, Phygia, and Pelivia, in Egypt, in the, hearts of, uh, in the parts of Libya, about Cyrena, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Greeks, and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocked, saying, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is only but the third hour. May God have his blessings upon his word, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. The church has but one purpose. Acts is all about the church being mobilized to preach the gospel unto all the nations. Acts 1.8 is another commission that says that ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Again, stating Christ himself, what he told his disciples on the mountain when he said, you shall go, go ye into all the world, teaching them and preaching all the things that I have taught you, 
and baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and lo, I'll be with you always. Acts actually could be rendered, especially in the Greek, the, the Acts of the Apostles. It's telling about the church as it mobilizes and understands what its purpose is. And in reality, as you read farther into the book of Acts, the names of the apostles start slipping off to the side as the new believers take up the mantle of what they have been taught by the apostles. Isn't that a perfect picture of discipleship and what the church should be doing in this age? It's a miracle to me that upon realizing this as a young boy, here in Madisonville, on the south side of Madisonville, that I would be asked or called by my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to participate in such a wonderful enterprise. Oh, it was something that I cannot describe to you except a feeling an altness, an altness that there's ought to be something that a life is, has meaning and purpose. I had received Christ as, as an early boy, yes, and while serving as, uh, while working as, uh, by, while being at a Royal Ambassador camp, I felt God's tug upon me originally. It took several years being a pastor and working in the kingdom to realize that altness to, as it came into fruition. But having been able to serve in Costa Rica and in Colombia, serving as church planner, serving as strategy coordinator, serving as team leader, raising my children overseas and seeing God take what has happened here in the book of Acts in real time as people would understand in all languages as the spirit would touch them how God sent his son into the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is one purpose for the church and I wanted to be, as God allowed me to be, part of that purpose. And I still long, whatever position that I hold, position and its title does not mean nearly as much to me. In fact, it is invalid, except the calling upon my life to know that I am living out the purpose that God has for me. We have 3,900 missionaries now on the field around the world through your Southern Baptist Cooperative Program. Why do I mention it here in November? Because quickly we're coming to the first week of December where we emphasize that we want to collect a mission offering that goes to the International Mission Board to support those. $175 million is our goal this year. And we as a church, and I say 46 churches, when I say we as a collected church, each and every one of us are part of the purpose of God to support those 3,900 missionaries. Last year alone, 847 people groups were engaged with the gospel of Christ. 847 different people groups with different languages. Truly, God is doing something in this world. 77,605 new believers, 18,428 pastors trained, 13,898 churches planted 
around the world. Do we not see a pattern forming that even in the 21st century, the book of Acts is still being lived out? The church mobilized in the first century, as I feel it must today, around the one story that Jesus Christ was sent into the world, being both fully God and fully man, born of a virgin, lived and taught, had disciples, was placed on a cross, though he was judged by the Roman government as a common criminal. It was the plan of God that he would die a substitutionary death for the sins of mankind, prophesied by the book of Isaiah that one would come, a Messiah would be born, and we would not be able to behold him because he would be stricken, and he would be impaled, and he would be so mangled that people could not recognize him, and that Messiah would die on the cross. That Messiah was my Jesus who died in my place. Not only did he die, but he died, but he rose again on the third day, and the church witnessed that, and it was their power to go into the world. You want a purpose for the church? You want to be all in common and one accord as they were? It says in verse one, the Feast of Pentecost was taking place. They were celebrating. It was a harvest time. It was a wonderful time in the Jewish calendar in which people, the Jews, had come to Jerusalem to worship and they were celebrating the Feast of the Harvest. And there in that very important time as they were coming together, their other disciples were gathered also, just as Jesus had promised them, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they began to speak in all the languages necessary for those who had gathered in Jerusalem to hear about Jesus. The feast of the Passover represented a time of celebration in which people were celebrating. It's hard, it's hard to, to celebrate together and not be in like mind. Over the years, the church has been able to come together around at least one theme in the modern mission enterprise since William Carey went to India in 1792 that God wanted people to hear about the saving grace of Jesus. And that message was to be carried around the world. Though we may differ in many things, and we do, you can't get two Baptists, you can't even get one Baptist together. You know why? Because as soon as he enters the building, he's got three different opinions about himself. You just cannot do it except to be on task and on purpose that God wants his message scattered and carried around the world. The church was able to celebrate about this unifying factor. They came together that about the story of Christ. Probably was oral in its nature to start with. They were still talking about the resurrection. Paul didn't start pinning things down about the resurrection and probably until about 55 AD. And so the early stories of the resurrection was passed on because it was treated as factual and true because 
of witness to men on the road to Emmaus, which matched what needed to be done about truth from the Old Testament as stories were shared. Are there two witnesses at least? Then 40 disciples, and then he appears to 120. God knew what he was doing in fulfilling the task, preparing the church. It is true. Christ rose from the grave. No other person has ever been able to make such claims that has changed humanity like Jesus Christ as he came forth from the grave. And you sit here today bearing that witness. If Christ lives within you, he has done a marvelous work because of this story. He has changed your life and he lives within you for you to participate in this purpose. God's in his promise. You see, at the Tower of Nineveh, um, Tower of Babel, excuse me, the world suffered a mighty fate as it perceived itself to be God's. As they built the tower to the heavens to declare their, their glory, God decided in his righteousness, that especially since we cannot meet his righteousness, that that was not to be tolerated and he scattered the nations. And we still have a difficult time with languages being the greatest barrier to our, to our communications of the gospel. Physical barriers actually, I can bear witness to you, are actually easier to overcome than the language barriers. Because then if you even are able to overcome the language barriers, you have the cultural barriers and you have the nuances of, of thinking in that culture. My goodness, we're sitting here in this auditorium this morning and I would imagine that we even would have difficulties communication because of all, all of our thought processes are different. We come to conclusions differently. It's our makeup, uh, actually. Not only is our human makeup, it's also characteristics of our failure and the fall of mankind that we cannot exist in harmony in, human, in humanity. We need the love of Christ in our hearts. So to be able to accomplish the task of missions, there had to be a sign. The Holy Spirit came and it's, it is the exact opposite of what God did at the Tower of Babel. The mark of the Holy Spirit upon the church is a sign that God's blessings in that when the story is told, the love of Christ can unify the believers around the world under one purpose to share the gospel. It is a beautiful thing to see how the sign of the Spirit as it comes upon and empowers a congregation, how that they strive to show that love to each other and somehow find a way to participate in the greater good of sharing that gospel. Oh, there, there's always been signs. We too often take this passage and we take the sign of the spirit or the cloven tongue upon everyone and we want to place our emphasis and we yearn from that, 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 that gift of, of talking in tongues. And Paul said there's a greater 
uh, gift that you need to be seeking after in in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, I, I want to show you a greater gift. I want to show you the love of Christ. That is greater than any gift of tongue could ever be. But here, the greatest, the greatest miracle is not the sign that comes down that they can recognize. That's, that is a sign which God is saying, I am, I am here. He gave a sign of a dove when Christ Jesus was baptized. He sent ravens to feed the prophet. All throughout the Old Testament and now the New Testament, God has sent a sign that as his people obey him, he will be with them. No, I will be with you always, even unto the uttermost part of the earth. Why then should we mock as they were mocking them? about being drunk. Oh, they were probably ecstatic. I would be. How would you like to be a part of a worship service like that? It's been a long time since I've seen the Spirit of God envelop upon His people to the point that they forgot about their bickerings and all of their upsetted notions and reached out to do something together. It has been a long, long time. Too long. The miracle here is that these people heard, not that it was being spoken in different languages, but that God was allowing them to hear in their own language. God is still doing that today in a miraculous way. It might be through translations. I know that our association and your pastor, Dr. Maples, has worked very hard with our association. And we have now ready, though the COVID virus has certainly put a hold on many of our mission activities, but we have in the Mongol language material ready, ready to use in Thailand through Hmong believers, through a translation that Hmong believers can have in their own words the scripture and train to teach other pastors. I see that as the church participating in a marvelous activity just like the book of Acts. Translations, modes of translations, oh my, the, the computer and the internet has turned the world upside down. Whether we use it for the good or whether we use it for the bad, I believe we as God's people should use it for the good. You can have language learning online. Or you can go to a language school like I did to learn to speak Spanish and we'll be speaking Spanish forever because it's gotta be the language of heaven because that's the only place it will ever get perfected in me. God is doing marvelous works. People are hearing in their own language the beautiful story of Christ. The miracle of this happening around the world, every day it's taking place. The sign of the cloven tongue was just upon the people to simply, gently say by God, I am here. Oh my, 
Why wouldn't we want to take part in such a unifying purpose and mobilization of his kingdom, whether that is long-term career? I was able to spend 19 years on the field or whether it would be midterm or a very short term of just a few days, weeks, or months. The opportunity is available to us. Paul Chitwood and company at the IMB would love for us to have more volunteers come from this area. Many of you have served overseas already from First Baptist Church of Madisonville. And I thank you for that. And I appreciate you, and I want to empower you to do more, and I, I want to encourage more to, be, more to be a part of this. Listen, folks, it gets personal. It gets personal. I cannot meet a missionary that I have served with or come in contact with another person that has served as we go to meetings, even the KBC, or anywhere that I attend, and I run across someone that has served, it's like family. There's something about that oughtness that everyone obeyed. There's something about throwing off caution to the wind, of having a purpose that only God could fulfill in you. There's something about knowing that no matter what takes place, there's something that's got to be done. And that family is far flung and it does get personal. It gets so personal when your children start being called. I think that is probably one of the things that holds us up badly. Oh Lord, I can deny you. I can push back. I can make excuses why I do not need to go. And then God makes it personal and calls your child or people of your family and he makes it very personal as he restates to you and what about you? Fortunately enough that we were able to serve but now my children my daughter Jessica and her husband Brady have already placed their name on a job that is open in Panama I guess Jessica did not get enough of the jungles when she rode with her daddy and now she's going to be taking her family as being led by her husband feeling the call and a little obedient wife also feeling the call. It takes two. And Jonathan, my grandson, and the children that are coming will be missionaries. It gets personal. And you start being serious about this thing. Because it is a serious business. There's only one purpose for the church that Christ be shared around the world. So the church saw Jewish converts from all over the place, which was a sign to come. This 
story was no longer going to be able to be held in a box with only Judaism. Though Judaism was a good cultural bridge, and those bridges are so important. But as they gathered together here, they were Jewish converts from all over the world coming in. And in verse 6, we see that the Abraham actually began to be the cultural bridge as they came together in this in this multitude at the day of Pentecost and they began to speak in their own languages. Actually, bridges of culture are beautiful. And the story of Joseph was a wonderful one that we used to use. God is doing this thing. He is multiplying the task before as people understand what it is to share the gospel in every language. They were all amazed, it says in verse 12, and were in doubt, saying one another, what, what meaneth this? We're still there. We are still there. We are still trying to find excuses why not to participate. We're try still trying to find excuses why not to pray. We're still trying to find excuses why we should not give. And if we can find an excuse saying, oh, they're crazy. Actually, what they said about these dear men was, they're just stupid Galileans. They're just stupid Galileans. Well, if they were so stupid, I sure, certainly want to be just that way. If being ignorant of facts allows me to look up, then Lord, give us some stupid people. But you see, the Galileans weren't really stupid. That was just an excuse. They were wise in their fishing trade. They were wise enough to realize when Jesus came by the Sea of Galilee and started calling them a father who gave up two sons in one calling. They were smart enough in their trade and in their dedication to know this is the Messiah. We will follow him. It was an excuse played out in the public. But those men were not stupid. If you've ever walked alongside someone that knows how to live in the jungle, or if you know someone who knows how to live in the mountains, or if you know how someone knows how to do a certain task, you know that you are the one that is ignorant of the facts, and you have to learn. God give us more people will be less troubled about what they don't know and willing to learn what they don't know, especially if it is empowered by God alone through his son Christ. The whole first 14 verses of chapter 2 is about a church realizing its purpose and mobilizing for the task and realizing, as Peter said, these men are not drunk. How could they be? It's only the third hour. Realistically, no one drinks at this time of the day. That's exactly what he was saying. If they were drunk on anything, they were drunk upon the power of Christ living within them by the Holy Spirit touching them that they could participate in a mighty, mighty enterprise of sharing Christ around the world how are you sharing today? 
How are you participating? This is a wonderful way to demonstrate love, these shoe boxes that you're doing. What about your consideration of the Lottie Moon offering this year? Taken in the first month of December and usually all the way through till our uh, Annie Armstrong comes up. What is your church goal? What is your personal goal? My wife even addressed me the other day. Here I am, the director of missions, the Little Bethel Bad Association, and my wife reminds me, have you thought about what we're going to give to Lottie Moon this year? What about partnering? Maybe your church cannot put together a large enough team that you can serve by yourself specifically on a job, but maybe you need to partner with somebody else. That would be in the going. But oh my, don't forget to pray. I used to wait till my prayer date, which would be my birthday, on the missionary calendar in the WMU quarterlies. I would wait to make a decision or have a major event that I would participate in until my birthday rolled around. Why would I wait to June 11th? Because I'm so special? No, because I knew on June 11th, there were thousands of people praying for Bill Egbert on that day. How was I going to fail with all of God's angels? And let me tell you, if you've ever had, and please don't hear me, making fun of more mature folks. I am not. I am praising you. How can you fail when you know a little more mature in years lady has gotten to her knees and she's called your name out before God on that day Lord don't know what he's up to today. We just need you to guide him, strengthen him, and bless him, Lord, as he endeavors to be on your mission. Church, how are you participating? It's the greatest enterprise that we could ever be a part of. It is the only reason for us to be organized is to participate in the sharing of the gospel around the world. We're going to have a song, and I'd like to ask you that question again. How are you participating? Do you need to be surrendering to find some way to go? Maybe you need to commit to pray. Maybe you need to be the one person today that would challenge the whole church and say, you know, God has placed an amount on my heart and we need to multiply it in some way by about 75. That's how many we have here today. May God bless you is my prayer and I will be here at the front. I will not have a mic, but I will be here to receive you or point you in the direction of some dear brother or sister who will pray with you May God bless First Baptist Church. Thank you.